0: System Have you heard the joke about the one time a black guy and a white guy walked into the studio and made a podcast? Ooh. The podcast of Omaha, Nebraska, with hosts Elliot W. Harris and Pete Smith. This Good. is a black guy and a white guy
1: walked into the studio. System
2: activated. Ooh. What is up, Internet? You're here for another episode of uh, A Black Guy and a White Guy Went to the Studio. That's and my right. name is Pate Smith, and you are here with my man
1: Elliot Harris. I wanna I, I wanna quit saying my government name. Can I say Elliot Ness yeah. or l <laughs> Ness? <laughs> That's your government name? That's not my government name. Oh, I was Elliot, about to Elliot say. Harris is my government government name, excuse me. I me and a uh what, That's what, what your AKA. This? What am I eating right here? That's your
2: awesome You got uh, some action from McDonald's.
1: Awesome, awesome. There's a plug for you guys. Make sure to hit us up. Uh, but for sure, uh, Elliot Harris is my government name. We shouldn't be using that on air. Elliot Ness or Ness is my non-official handle if I was DJing or if I'm just pretty much trying to get with a girl. That's what I call So myself.
2: let's get into that real quick. Not you get into the girl, but let's talk about the DJ. because yeah. Right now, it's coming in on wedding season.
1: Yes, it is wedding season. Full swing right now, wedding season. I'm booked throughout this whole summer. I also got gigs off, uh, off the books as well. When I call off the books, I'm talking about like House of Loom. I'm talking about the tavern here in Omaha. Uh, some big got, events. Yeah. And big Elias e- got some rib big stock, events. Ribstock hosting Ribstock coming down July 2nd. Uh, that's going to be up in uh, Millard. So that's a big deal. So definitely if you love ribs and you love a <laughs> black guy who hosts a bunch of other people around, yeah, it's just just <laughs> kind of Ribfest. All right. It's I'm, I'm going to tell you dope. this
2: right now. If we are in Alabama and it was something called Ribfest and a black person was uh hosting it there would be a march yeah there would be, <laughs> there a, would march. be a march be quick like, yeah i got <laughs> you on that okay so today we have two awesome gentlemen um two people that i know well i want elliot to get to know <laughs> well that has some really incredible stories and that is my man tim Priscillo.
3: hey guys thanks for having me on
2: and mark cruz Hey you guys doing and both of these guys are recon marines and I'm not even sure what that really means doesn't matter they
1: look like marines like literally I'm like when they came in the door I'm like hey guys thanks for working out assholes I'm like damn I didn't even like do two push ups this morning what the hell
2: uh, they came in here just looking like they're about to you know assemble a bridge <laughs> over a river you right while, while sniping people right right so basically that's what they do every day
1: like, I feel like I'm day. in calling duty right now with the, all you guys up in here let's go so
3: what
2: so tell us what is a Recon Marine?
3: Well, okay, so reconnaissance is uh, its an MOS, a so military occupational specialty, so it's basically just a fancy word for saying what your specific job is in the military. So our specific job, reconnaissance marine, it's a specialized school where we focus on combat operations, um, also working behind enemy lines, mostly focusing on gathering information so that the battalions can decipher it and make intelligence out of it and then you'll have large-scale operations down the road.
0: Basically, the history of it came from <clears throat> the Raiders back in World War II. And uh, they were initially amphibious, so we're technically amphibious reconnaissance Marines is our, the full title of it. And um, it's just because of a lot of the operations that we would do would be preparing um, invasion sites like beach landings and stuff like that. So, And uh, through the years, it's evolved into kind of this whole new, um, kind of unit that we, uh, are now today. So,
2: so are you guys, you guys are no longer enlisted, right?
0: Well,
3: uh, well,
2: (laughs)
0: well,
3: active duty's done, um, for both of us, but I just got back into the reserves. Uh, so yes
2: and no, I guess. So let's talk about that. How did you guys end up in, you know, this path? Like obviously joined the Marine Corps for whatever reason, but what brought you you know, to becoming a recon marine, and like how many people are recon marines, and kind of explain that whole process because I'm like, I, that's something I'm really interested. Right. in. Right,
1: as I as I am as I am as well. Go ahead.
0: So um, the recon community is very small. There's only three battalions, active duty battalions. There's one in <clears throat> Okinawa, Japan, that's Third uh, Reconnaissance Battalion. Then you have the one in California, which is First Reconnaissance Battalion, and then you have um, the one in uh, Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, Okay. and that's Second Recon, so that's the one that me and Tim were at. Um, and within each one of those, you have uh, three different companies. Companies are pretty small, so those are the divisions, and then um, within each one you have the Alpha Bravo and Charlie companies. And then um, that's where me and Tim are linked, we were in the same company in... So how
3: many people Second recon. are recon
2: Marines? So
3: you look across the board, like average amount of, they, they call them operators, uh-huh. just like, uh, you know, Navy SEALs called operators and stuff. But the average amount of recon operators, probably around 2,000 active duty guys. Uh-huh. Obviously they have more reserve and, you know, the number fluctuates mm-hmm. as days go on. So
2: so what do you do? Like, I don't know, is this, is this classified like day-to-day? <laughs> What's a day-to-day recon <laughs> Marine do?
3: Don't get me wrong. That there are recon marines who have like top secret, top secret clearance. Um, but the usual <clears throat> recon marine has secret clearance. So nothing too crazy. We can't, you
1: know. Yeah. And so what? So what's higher, the top secret or just the secret? The top secret. Top secret. Right. Right.
0: So there's four levels, I think.
1: Like how? Do you, okay. Yeah. So rank those real quick. So you have top secret is it the highest.
0: Yeah, Top Secrets, um, it's actually pretty difficult to get. Like, they'll go and talk to the people that you used to live next to. Like, literally? Like, like how how years, no, ago. I had,
2: so, years ago? So, I had, <clears throat> had, yeah. I had that. My buddy Adam was EOD for the Secret Service. Mm. And so, I guess, like, they came to my house and talked to me. They yep. talked to my parents. They talked to um, all of Adam's teachers. They, like, went and got his high school record. I mean, it was pretty... It was oh, yeah. pretty intense, yeah.
0: They'll they'll do credit checks on you. If you have bad credit, you can't get se- you can't even get secret clearance. Well, shit. Well, then if I'm out. I'm out already. <laughs> Damn.
2: All right. How about you, Dave? I, I, I will tell you this right now. I had bad credit, uh, or I didn't have credit, and then uh, bought a car and a house. And now, I mean, they'll like they'll like give me anything. I went to Nebraska Furniture Mart all, other day, and they were like, man, they like, you just start charging up. You got like you know all this. Right. All this credit to go. And the other day, Visa was like, and I was like, man, this is, my credit uh, limits more than we make.
1: There you go. I don't, you
2: can't trust a credit card. You coming. cannot. They're mm. there to
1: make money for you, right? Or they're for they're to, me? Or if, I was about to say, if they're making it you. for me. I mean, they're making it off of you. Excuse me. i back. apologize. They're, it, they're trying to make it seem like, hey, we're in your favor. I need we're here your card. Making, yeah, my card, they're making it for me. You, you don't know that part yet. But nonetheless, my car can't get me into the Marines where you guys are at. can't get that top secret clearance where you guys are at right now. So top secret being the highest and then go down from that point.
3: Mm-hmm. You have a secret, obviously, top secret, secret, and then you just
0: have. Then there's classified and declassified is the lowest. I say, yeah, I would but have been on
2: declassified. What do you do? What is it? What What is a declassified mission? They're like, hey, Mark, we're going to need you to go get some uh, screws our, from the hardware store. <laughs> None of the stuff that we're, we're doing is
0: any of that higher level stuff. Okay. Um, but kind of the uh the ones that you guys are talking about like the top secret ones those are like the ones that like you know you're hearing about Osama bin Laden and stuff like that oh i got
1: right. you after so, the fact right after the fact after yeah the fact.
2: what would clear, what would like making a beach ready be like what does that entail you mentioned that earlier that
0: would be that would be pretty classified because it's operational security so you definitely don't want to let people know that you're going to be landing on a beach anytime soon gotcha if you're going to be invading somewhere so that's where our job comes in. We still do this today in training. At um, it's called a uh, BRC, uh, Basic Reconnaissance Course, out in uh, California. Basically, what we learn how to do is how to come in on Zodiacs in the middle of the night. We kind of map out the beaches, get them ready, see where the best spot to like have a bunch of um, what do they call it, Tim, the uh, like other other forces come in. Yeah, up, the amphibious raiders come in. Yeah. And, um, kind of land on the beach and just deploy a bunch of forces and stuff
2: like that, so so what how do you train for this? because obviously, not every person can come in on a vehicle during the night, prepare a beach, and then, be like, all right, guys, in the morning, everybody comes in. I guess there's like mm-hmm. s- specific training. I mean, how did you guys get selected for this? Or were they just like, all right, if you want to be a recon marine, you know, like, this recon marines this way, everybody else over here. Like, what what was that like? How did you get selected? Well,
3: that <laughs> <laughs> mean.
1: You'd
2: be going
3: left or right. right. Which one you do you to want right. to do? <laughs> yeah,
2: well, I mean, so basically when
3: you go into the Marine Corps, uh, you're selecting a specific job. If you don't make the cut, um, you can't become a reconnaissance marine. So Mark and I chose to be recon marines from the get-go. That's what we wanted to be. But as we were going through training, if we didn't pass, you know, certain tests or failed in the pool <clears> when they were drowning us, stuff like that, we wouldn't have become recombinators. So drowning? Let's go well, into that. What is I, that now? I say that, I say that loosely. It's just because you swallow a lot of water. So <laughs> they want you to be comfortable in the water. So they're going to put you in the most stressful situations that you can imagine in a pool because when you're out in the ocean, you know, miles away from any help, it's only you and your buddy to save each other. so
0: you got to be able to survive in that environment and be calm in that environment. <laughs> so what they do is they take you and they put you in the pool every single day and they get you comfortable in being uncomfortable. Okay. Basically, uh, the basic reconnaissance course that we went through, one of our instructors told us, you don't really learn a lot there. Um, what you do learn is he's, this is, you know, what he would say is um, we're just taking your comfort zone from being this big to being triple the size of that so you're always comfortable so you're not so when you're in that situation and you're uncomfortable and things are going bad you can still process everything in your head and right still you've be, been there before yeah you've been there before so you can handle it so
2: well i mean i talking about comfort i will say this one thing i know I learned from a man, Tim, is socks are not necessary for survival. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Was one night. <laughs> was, I, I, it was cold. And your boy needed some socks. And I was like, Tim, my so- socks are not. necessary. We're not even gonna get into that story. I don't know. I think that was t- That was your first date with your girlfriend, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I was trying to get lucky, man, and you we were there, <laughs> cock-blocking hard. I would oh not. Say, I would
2: not Whoa. say that's what it was. I mean, never. I don't know what's going on. You know, all I'm all I'm saying is it's like early in the night. I need my socks. (laughs) Bro, I get cold feet.
1: You get cold feet, huh? Yeah, literally
2: literally cold feet.
1: And like right now, we're even taking these guys through a a gauntlet right now. Uh, Normally we're at a very posh, you know, beautiful studio uh in the downtown <laughs> omaha and we're still in the downtown little italy area right now but we're in the the hot box it's like what i like to call it you know my guy over here he's sweating, <laughs> like, he's sweating bullets he's sweating bullets right he's now. from so the our, northeast so right. you know so, this is so, right we're literally in the attic recording this right now and he's sweating and we're like we're all like just breathing really slowly and just <laughs> talking really loudly but uh yeah the hot box you know this suit this uh the attic studio is a little bit hot up here it's supposed to be summertime we're in what this is may right now about to be mm-hmm. june uh, but this amplifies what the summer is going to be like here in Omaha. So uh, we're putting these Marines right now through the course, through, through the paces, to see actually if they are really <laughs> Marines. You know, if not, we will find them out, just like <laughs> Al Qaeda or ISIS, and then we will eliminate them here today at the hot box. This is like it's, the a, homeland. of Yeah, podcast. this is your Friday, the last place you all ever see anybody. Right, this is going to be a wrap today, guys. I'm saying I'm they're going
2: to find they're going fi- to find you like. Pulled up and what like an amp one day. They're <laughs> like <laughs> like <laughs> who's that? Oh, that's oh, a dead marine. We, we already <laughs>
1: killed him because he couldn't take the hot box. I just, I'm just saying. Oh man. I thought he was cool, but he wasn't that cool. Yeah, what is the deal?
2: We have we have uh, we have war heroes in, and we're like we're gonna put them through the worst podcast scenario right, possible. Right. 100, 110 degree podcast. Right, no
1: air in here, nothing at all. We just have like wine and Coors and Red Bull and some Bucky's, like, I don't know, Diet Coke, whatever that is. Sweet tea, probably. Diet you, got Coke. Sweet tea?
2: you know it's not sweet tea. You, all can't, right. you, can't <laughs> buy, <laughs> you can't buy sweet tea in Omaha, Nebraska.
1: You cannot buy sweet tea in Omaha, Nebraska. Can I tried to.
2: Can we talk about something? Yes. All right, people in the Midwest, it drives me crazy when they do this. They will buy tea, cold tea from the store, and then they'll pour sugar in it.
3: Mm hmm. That's
1: sweet tea. It's the same thing.
2: No, 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 because sugar does not melt in cold liquid. Okay. Well, it d- it's that's a
1: science right here. Go ahead. Keep on going.
2: That, if it's warm...
1: What? I have no idea what you guys are talking I'm from New York. <laughs> we don't drink sweet
0: tea in New York.
3: Listen, born and raised in Nebraska, okay? Midwest boy, right? All day.
2: You can, you can dissolve sugar in water even if it's still cold. I mean, we can put this to the test, and the (laughs) podcast listeners can do it. Take cold water and put sugar in it, stir it, and see if it disappears. Take hot water, put sugar in it, and see if it disappears. Well, of course, and the hot water
3: is going to dissolve quicker. The molecules are moving faster. Oh,
1: that's just science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just science. Oh, you know, science. science.
2: (laughs) Is this hold on? Is this Mr. Wizard or is it (laughs) 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 Recommering? So, I want to know, guys, what was the most difficult part of training? Uh,
3: You know. I would honestly have to say, I was actually talking about this today with a kid who wanted to go out and do reconnaissance. He wanted to go through BRC. And it has to be, it comes back to the pool. I'll say the toughest day of my entire life. We're in the pool. There's probably 20 of us, right? And we're treading water. It's Mm -hmm. probably hour three of treading water, right? And you've got camis on. So you've got this big, long shirt on. You've got your pants on. It's dragging you to the bottom. Boots. And what they do, they call it a beehive. So they take a take a lane rope and they, they wrap it around the whole group and they start to tighten it up and so it causes you to basically start touching shoulders with the person next to you and what happens is you can't use your hands anymore to uh, stay afloat you have to solely use your feet it causes a huge downdraft basically just a current pulling everybody to the bottom and as soon as one kid starts to drown he grabs onto someone else and oh, yeah just like a bunch of bees mm-hmm. freaking out and we were in that for three hours Wow. I know that because I talked to the instructor after I got out of BRC, <laughs> and he said it was the only day he truly felt bad for what he did to us. Wow. It was it was, it was terrible. That, did
2: anybody quit during?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they call it DORing, dropping on request, and um, you have to swim to the side of the pool and you have to request to be DORed and drop on request, and they'll pull you out of the pool.
2: How many people would you say? That day? We, yeah. That day was, I think,
3: three or four. But overall, you started with a class of 60, and we whittled it down to probably original class of 60 to the original members were 15. Whoa.
0: So we- One in four. I think the very first day when we got everybody there off the buses and everything, and they had 60, we had 60 guys in the pool, I think we lost 20 guys that first day. Wow. Just to the water. People, the water's a great equalizer for people. I mean, you throw someone in the pool and tell them to tread water for two hours and they're going to panic and How many know, people caught
2: it. cramps during it?
3: I, I know I did. You know, I mean, it's going
0: to You just happen. sink to the bottom of the pool and wait for the cramp to go away and then swim back to the do top. Do you really?
2: Yeah. So what happens if the cramp doesn't go away? Then you die. <laughs>
1: then you die. Those people are not here. You so okay? we, We're so, the survivors here today on the show. Okay. So
0: what we used to do is uh, in the beehive, if you're, you know, you're getting pummeled up there because everybody's so close, We kind of figured out if you kind of sink, take a big breath and sink down and you can sit on the bottom for a couple minutes. And it sounds weird, but kind of relax and catch your breath down there because you're not getting pummeled anymore. Well, the instructor started figuring out that we were doing that. So they'd be waiting at the bottom of the pool for us. And uh, you go down there and they do things called hits. And they'll just hold you down there even longer and mess you up and mess your goggles up and pull your camis over your head. And then you'll try to shoot back to the top and they'll pull you back down. Oh. So what they're trying to do is make you freak out. And uh, then we kind of learned if you just relax and go limp in their arms, they'll just kind of let you go and float back to the top, and then you can escape from them. So Just don't fight it. Don't yeah, fight it. <laughs> just <don't laughs> fight it. Just whatever you do, play don't fight it. <laughs> you almost are really dead. So, yeah. I mean, just
1: play it. Just act like you are.
2: I mean, so let's, let's go into, you know, you guys. How long does training take, by the way? For what? School? I mean, we, so we joined
0: the Marine Corps in okay. – Tim joined on the West Coast. I joined on the East Coast. But you go to boot camp, which is three months, and then you go to Infantry Training Battalion, ITB, and that's, what, two months? What do you do there? Shoot guns. <laughs> yeah. you, learn I like be, that one. you learn to be an infantryman. Um, so basically, uh, if you're just going to be like a regular grunt, you're going to go to Infantry Training Battalion, and then since we were going for recon, then we had to go to another school, and um, you end up going to a thing called RIP, which is Recon Indoctrination Program. And what that is is um it's kind of like a holding platoon you're waiting for a recon class to pick up and then rip is kind of worse than the actual course because there could be no end to that program you could be there for we knew guys who were there for like four months and they just go to the pool every single day and get tortured oh my gosh whatever waiting for a recon class to pick up i think we were only there for like three weeks or so
3: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, before you get to your actual battalion, because after that, everyone, you know, you train more on-the-job mm-hmm. training stuff. But before you get your actual battalion, it's it's almost a year, basically, to wow. become a recon marine, give or take, you know.
2: So then how long are you out doing God's work after your year of training?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, some people's enlistments are four years, some are five, but... I mean, you, you jump around and you go to different schools. Like I, I, I was lucky enough. I got to go to jump school, so I got
1: to jump out of planes. Yay. Awesome experience. I was so lucky. You were so lucky. You got to jump out of a perfectly good plane. <laughs> that is great. This sounds so like excited. this sounds
2: like your torture. I
1: did yeah, like oh my, I almost got to drown. Oh what? I get to go to jump out of a plane now. <laughs> just ooh, those sort are of too evil. Yeah. Damn man, really? Go patrol through know, the swamps right? in just North the Carolina. Ground? I walk on the <laughs> ground in the desert. That was what mean.
2: That the swamps in North Carolina, I feel like would be the that's worst. It's a great time. Great, great times.
3: Cause you said you were from California, right? California, right. yeah, San Jose, yeah. man. So you don't have any swamps out there. No swamps. We out got there. mountains. Not we have mountains. Yeah. We have the valley. So that's it where like you're in the valley, Silicon. Mm-hmm. You know, so.
0: So it's it's North Carolina is nice because all the gra- ground is flat, but you're going through catch me fuck me vines mm. and uh, swamps. But in California, you're just humping through mountains the whole time. Yeah. So, you know. I would rather have the mountains than the
2: swamps. <sighs> I, agree. I agree with Peyton.
3: Oh, man. Because no. when you go to sit down after nine hours of walking and you're just laying in a pool of mosquitoes and yeah, you do sweat. True.
2: I, that and like, ugh. The it swamp really just has the a pump. lot of rough stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. you never know how deep it is. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, knee, 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 knee. What? Yep, yeah. yeah, way down. Yeah. And so where that stinks.
0: We're out there carrying normal patrol ruck is like 80 to 90 pounds just in your bag and then you have a vest on that's normally about 55 pounds of body armor. Oh my gosh. And then... So that's like 145 pounds, right? Yeah, and then you... Well, and then that's ammo on top of that and then your gun and everything like that, so, so it gets, it like gets pretty heavy. Three hundred
2: pounds of extra... It could get up there, yeah. That is pretty intense, yeah.
1: Yeah, so let me go back to the beginning of what this podcast is. Again, this is a black guy and a white guy going to a studio. Notate, this is pretty much the white guy and the white guy's friends talking right here (laughs) about all these horrendous things that are happening, you know, in the military, etc. And, you know, if I do it. But let's go back to the beginning as well. Um, What put you out there to the point where you said this is what you wanted to do, okay? Uh, again, we joke, but you're making major sacrifices, you're making major sacrifices uh, for not only yourself physically, but also for, what, your country, your family? Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, um,
3: you know, I've been asked that a few times, like, what, what made you do it? You know, was your dad in right. the military, you know, whatever. My dad was not, my dad was a police officer here in Omaha, so, like, I, I, I did see some him go through some hardships you know Um, but when it came down to it uh, you know we had 9-11 and at that time I think I was in seventh eighth grade Uh, yeah and you know it was it was kind of like a a turning point in my life I would say because I I, I realized that there are bad things that can happen to people and for me it was it was like well do I continue on the path of you know high school college married by
1: 22, 2.5 kids by 27. Right. Now, is that not the Nebraska way or <laughs> not the Midwestern way of how you live your life? Absolutely. Absolutely right. correct.
3: I right. mean, th- th- and that's all I knew at the time, right. you know. And I I decided, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go do something different. I'm going to do s- something that's for someone else, you know, albeit, yes, it's, it's military, so some people view that as bad, but you're still doing something for, you know, your country. I mean, you could do the Peace Corps, you could do whatever, but instead of for selfish reasons, you know, I, I I hate to say college is selfish, but trying to better yourself, you know, oh make yeah. more money.
2: I mean, I'll tell you, I didn't go to college for anybody else. <laughs> but I, I, mm-hmm. That's why you go. It's right? not a bad thing, and I'm I'm yeah. definitely
3: not, like, cutting anybody down for that. I just don't think I was mature enough. I know it's ironic, you know, like, go off good. and fight a war. I, I, yeah. I just didn't think I was mature enough to make <clears throat> a decision on what I wanted to do mm-hmm. for the rest of my life at that age. You know, I'm, I'm 26 now, and I still... You know, I still don't know what I want to do. Yeah, you know, I mean, last year I was in the Philippines on a TV show. This year I'm working for a tactical company, so I'm bouncing around trying to figure out.
2: Let's get into both of those because I don't know if Elliot knows. I think these this is really, you know, interesting content. So tell us about what you did, be it on the show, and the baby baby elephants. Or was it elephants or rhinoceros? It was rhinos. Okay, <laughs> baby miniature rhinos. Right, let's, hear, nauseous, rhinos let's hear about elephants. these rhinos.
3: <laughs> well, okay, so I've been... Uh, Done with active duty for a couple of years. Got a call from a buddy who's working in D.C. for a senator that writes permits for this 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 show. And the the owners of the show, the EPs, the executive producers, are down in New Zealand. And he's like, "Oh, you want you know we want Marines to come on the show." My buddy's like, "All right, got the perfect guy for you." He calls me up, Tim. Do you want to go to the Philippines and hunt down poachers? Right. I'm not much of a conservationist, you know, uh, but it was winter. In Nebraska, so it was probably like what five degrees outside. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> you know. I was going to school, but like I said before, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my life. So I decided, hey, let's go give it a shot. Why not? You know, I, I never want to be that person that that looked back and said, mm-hmm. like, what if? Right. You know. Yeah. So there, there I am. You know, two months later, uh, on a plane out to the Philippines to work with uh, three other special forces guys. You had Philip, uh, who was a Navy SEAL. You had Stefan, who was a French Special Forces, and uh, Matt, who was another Marine. Cool. And uh, basically what we did was uh, it, anything from vessel interdiction um, in the South China Sea, you know, boarding Vietnamese ships looking for illegal um, trade. But, I mean, it wasn't like drugs or anything like that, but it was animals that they're trading illegally. Right. To uh, trekking through the Sumatran jungle looking for baby rhinos. Oh, uh, yeah. But it was four months, and uh, we filmed basically every day. And it was tough, you know, seven days on, one day off is what they give us. But uh, an amazing experience. I got to see a lot of things and do a lot of stuff that a lot of people haven't been able
2: to do. Did you, did you ever, like, yell out, sir, put down the baby rhino? <laughs> was that ever? Did that ever? <laughs> like, did you ever draw a gun on somebody and you were like, you're going to put that, you know? That,
3: that, was the, that was the hardest part, I would say, for me, was I, I went from you know fighting overseas in afghanistan with you know my brothers like mark and you know guys i had been with for 4 years to this new team and i had to trust them and the worst part was we were doing dangerous stuff but we didn't have any guns
1: Oh, you didn't have no guns what <laughs> all right so you went you went to these exotic places to hunt down poachers who have weapons who have guns or whatever you want to call it and you didn't have anything what do you have a bullhorn what, what how are you frightening these individuals with animals who are very rare and very expensive. Tim right? would
2: just all up and <laughs> flex a lot. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Just flex.
1: <laughs> yeah, Elliot, the way the way you say it
3: makes me sound a little dumb. Yeah, no, right? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm like,
1: dude, you just say you don't have weapons. I mean, th- that's the America way. I say you heard what I said too, America. That's the America way to have guns. So definitely you're going out to these other countries and you don't have any weapons, but yet you're trying to fight off poachers who actually are armed, obviously, you're boarding vessels where they... They have weapons but yet what your, your presence is supposed to scare them or what's happening in this whole situation I don't, I don't get it tell me
3: well okay so you know when you take like psych 101 in college and they talk about like violence of action and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah I didn't go to school go ahead <laughs> <laughs> well I can I can personally test for it. it it works I mean we had a presence like you said yeah you know four guys come in all dressed the same military fatigues they board your vessel there's 18 of you with knives compared to the four of these military members with nothing except we had one taser, but who had the taser? Uh, the lucky. There was a camera guy that we gave the taser. Because you got, you get the taser to the camera
1: guy. <laughs> a t- a camera guy. Any of us get killed, tase somebody. You know what I'm saying? If someone gets stabbed, tase somebody. You know, drop well, the, like the camera the and tase. the least
2: skilled person. <laughs> right. You give the t- I mean.
1: Yeah, flashlights. We we have flesh. I mean, we get, we got big... like glorified mall cops in like in like the Philippines. That would have been a better show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mall, mall cops, cops yeah. versus
2: poachers. I could sell that yes, right now. Yes,
1: yes, we'll get sponsors for that shit all day. You know what I'm saying? H and M, you know Macy's, you know It'd be, they'd be flooding the white guy, the black guy, and the white guy show all day. But um, so your camera guy had the tasers, uh, and you guys didn't have nothing, so you had your voices, right? And you had your like you're cool you're like big brody white guys and you're like oh shit put the rhino down I'll fuck you up what I mean is that was happening or what well
3: you know we uh we found out it was a Vietnamese ship and we were pulling up on our little zodiac like okay. I said there there was four of us there there was a camera guy so it was five right whatever you want to call it right. but we got on board eighteen of them they were all excuse me they were all um, cutting fish you know because right. that's what they do they're fishermen yeah right. Well, we've done VBS this vessel board search and seizure missions before, mm-hmm. so we knew the protocols. What you had to do is separate the captain from the crew, find the first mate, separate him. Because if you cut the head off of them, then really all you have is a group of people who are working solely for a wage. They don't really care about the ship, right? So that's what we did right away. We, you know, we got on board. We, uh, you know, made our presence known. Found the captain. Found the first mate. Separated them. Handcuffed them. And then basically from there it, it's just talking them with talking to them with hand gestures
1: because I, I don't know Vietnamese. So. Do you have the fucking baby rhino? <laughs> or an elephant or an elephant tusk? Illegal. Bad motherfucker. Bad shark. We are an American. Yeah, my Shark fans. We are the cameraman has a taser. <laughs> he will fuck you up <laughs> on site. You know, is that how that goes down? I love it. I want to be on, um, can I get down with the crew? I so what's be down interesting
2: with you guys. is in comparison to like the most dangerous like thing that you guys did uh, or that you did, you know, over there boarding vessels, you know, with no guns. Now you guys both have a pretty interesting job here in Omaha. And that's one thing that definitely I brought you guys on to talk about because I think that's something that, you know, A majority of the people here in Omaha would be interested in companies uh, as well Uh, talk about what you guys do now because I think this you know in a post 9-11 world is an incredible thing Mark you want to go into what you guys are doing
0: yeah so right now we work for a company called ADA Tactical Uh, we have a new facility opening up in Gretna the grand opening is gonna be July 2nd right Tim yes roughly around there um, but right now uh, our other main facility is on Tekema and uh, basically a lot of the stuff that we do is we teach um, CCW classes. Uh, we teach a class called active killer response course. There's two different versions in that too. Uh, there's an armed and there's an unarmed version and uh, that course is actually very popular because in today's world you have things like um, Von Mars school, shootings. Von Von school shootings you have um, <clears throat> you know Things like Columbine and stuff like that. Um, My mom's a teacher. She taught for 35 years, and she wants to take this course because it's something that teachers need to know. And um, we teach people basically how to barricade classrooms, how to defend themselves in situations like this, uh, whether or not they have weapons on them or don't have weapons on them, how to improvise weapons like fire extinguishers, chairs, stuff like that, how to not be sitting ducks basically in their own office buildings.
2: That is awesome. Let's talk about that. Like, Give us some... Give us some tips if Elliot and I, you know, we're in the studio downtown, <laughs> right. not this place. Not this one. If you, you come into this, we're done. Yeah, it's a wrap.
1: We're <laughs> I <don't>, like,
2: <laughs> I mean,
1: we're like, hey, just like, give me the gun. I'll kill myself. You know what I'm saying? Because like literally, I don't want you to like, yeah. It's, we it's just a try bad to,
2: here. we just try to wait them out. Because like, oh, it's too hot.
1: Did <laughs> not going to come up
0: here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're safe. It gets half up the stairs,
0: like fuck this, I know, fuck this, this is fucking gross. this, it's like, like so man ass up here. What can <laughs> we do? What
2: can we do? Um, the average person here in Omaha without taking the course because obviously everybody needs if you are in an office building you need to take this course yeah.
0: a lot of um, actually we get a lot of people who uh, their bosses will buy the whole classrooms out and bring 20 people to the classrooms and teach their whole office how to do this stuff and it's um pretty awesome seeing everybody get really into it too and um, we teach people how to do uh, how to you know, use things like door stoppers and belts to barricade doors and keep them shut. Um, we don't teach people how to hide because, you know, we're very aggressive. Proactive. Yeah, proactive. You don't want to hide. You don't want to be a victim. You want to go at you that You want to dictate yeah, the situation. Exactly, so we're not saying go and try and find the guy. If you're in a locked room, stay in that room, but, you know, you know, we teach all this stuff in the course, so. First, first one is always evade.
3: Like, if you can get out of there, grab somebody and, and get out of there. Uh, if somebody wants to curl up and, you know, go in the fetal position, don't let them slow you down. I, I It's sad to, sad to say. I, I, I get it if it's like a, you know, your kid or, or your, your wife or somebody. Yes, protect them. But if it's someone someone else, a stranger, you, you got to go. Right. Get out of the building first. Uh, if you can't evade, you can barricade, right? So mm-hmm. it's not hiding. It is and it isn't you're hiding but you're also barricading the door barricading where you are like we could still in this room i mean if you you look back behind you it's pretty mm-hmm. open you've got a 4 foot gap no door but we could take enough chairs and throw a marker make the it difficult and uh, yeah make it difficult for them to get in and like mark said before arm yourself and yeah that that's the last one is fight so just always have that mentality don't be a victim be prepared to fight so in this
0: in this course we we look at a, a lot of them um, <laughs> the different uh mindsets of these people who do these kind of shootings and they're um for the most part they're pretty lazy they uh they come to a locked door they're not putting a lot of effort into getting into that door they're gonna move on they're gonna if they meet any kind of friction they're just gonna move on and go to another area so if you're in that locked door good for you you know you just survived that if someone else doesn't lock their door or barricade it or take any effort you know it's unfortunate for them but they're gonna end up being a victim in that situation most people, um, <clears throat> once they're met with some kind of force back, mm-hmm. they actually end up committing suicide or they take off running. Um, and that's why we advocate a lot of people conceal carrying. Because if someone walks into the building and you, you don't even have to hit them, but if you give them a couple shots in their direction, they're going to go away. Because they're not looking for a firefight. They're looking for something easy, that's easy. Target, yeah. target. You know, we call them soft targets. And um, that's what these people really want, is a soft target. They want something easy that, uh, that they're going to be able to just come in and do whatever kind of damage they can do, and the, the average right now um, is, I think it's one person every 15 seconds in an active shooting situation. So you know, situation lasts, I think the average is about 8 minutes. So you know that's a lot of people. Uh, So fifteen seconds,
2: four per minute, thirty-two.
0: Right. So I mean, the the Virginia Tech shooting lasted eight minutes and thirty-two people died. So you know, right there with our average. And these are places
2: where they have barred concealed carry from Mm -hmm. because it's a school campus. So I'm say I'm get so obviously you guys are big concealed carry advocates. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Yes and no. I hate to you know play the middle line, but. I am an advocate on people who are properly trained, people yes. who have seen these type of situations before, you know, who have who have actually been in gunfights or, or police officers, people who have been properly trained, like I said. But uh, civilians, yes and no. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of things where we work that I would debate.
0: There's a there's a <clears throat> there's no follow-on training with concealed carry, which is a problem right now. What we're trying to get, especially with our company ADA Tactical, is we tell people, you need more training. And for us, it's not a money thing. It's I want to have competent people on the street with a gun, not people who took a five-hour class and now are carrying a gun around.
2: That's, <clears throat> that's one thing that kind of bothers me. Um, before, when I was in college, I worked for a paintball store that was also um, the other half of the business was owned by a um, firearm shop. And it really bothered me that, you know, anybody's wife could go get a concealed carry permit, and then we were selling these, like, pink handguns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would come to the range and shoot, like, okay, they'd empty half a clip downrange, and, you know, they were running around with this in their pocket, and I'm like, you know, are you able to differentiate what you should and shouldn't shoot at? Exactly. Has anybody talked to, to this about you? How are you mentally? Like, are you skittish? Are you, you know, somebody going to knock on your window because your gas cap's open, and are they going to get shot? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm obviously not anti-guns by any means, but definitely I feel more confident with a informed group of people having them.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: Um, so, how you know do teachers come to this class? Is you know what what is going on? Because this is obviously something. That, I mean, I've got kids coming up. I would like their teachers to be skilled in.
3: You know, I mean, the debate—it's been thrown around as to whether or not teachers should be able to conceal carry, um, and, and like you said, it goes back to having competent people. Um, if a teacher wants to conceal carry, they—I think—they need to meet quarterly training. It shouldn't be an annual thing or a mm-hmm. one-time deal. Yeah. Um, these are perishable skills, and I mean high-stress situations. If you've ever been in one, it, your decision-making process you go to the lower brain. You know, oh, go, yeah, go from high Cave brain membrane. down to yeah, lower brain. It's survival. So um, there are you know some teachers I've seen on the line. There's um, people all the way up to 80 years old I saw. Um, all the way, the youngest one last week was twenty-one years old.
2: So, how much is the class to do the active shooter? It's do we? Know, do you guys know off I'm top not, of your I'm head? Off the top of my head, I could not
0: remember. I it. think it's around seventy-five
3: to eighty. It, it kind of yeah. depends on group per size. Person. Obviously, it's like you know, yeah. if you get twenty people, it's cheaper. Uh, um, concealed carry is one hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, all this, all this is on the eighty-eight tactical website for pricing and everything like that. What's and that, that they, website? Eight. No, it's 88tactical.com.
2: Oh, so easy. <laughs> 88tactical.com. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you're listening to this on your phone right now, you can open up that browser, right. check it out. You literally can <clears throat> book this with these same guys that you're here now, mm-hmm. guys that have uh, gone all over the world, protected us, prepared beaches, and saved baby rhinos with, right. without guns.
1: Without guns. They, without the cameraman had a taser, though. <laughs> if,
2: my th- my thing is, like, if I'm going to learn from somebody I don't want it to be just some like random guy that said, hey, I'm gonna open up a gun range. No. I want it to be from a person that is so confident are competent, I should say. Confident yeah. and competent. Right. Because you need confidence. You do. If you are boarding a ship without a gun, and you're like, hey, I'm so skilled that I don't even need a gun <laughs> versus these 20 people. Right. I feel pretty safe that this man can shoot. T- teach me how to shoot with a gun.
1: Pretty much. So if you just heard what Pate said, these gentlemen look just like Chuck Norris, pretty much what we he just told you. you no know, beards. No beards. He just, they just got the, the physique of Chuck Norris. Mark's, Mark's kind of
2: got a beard. Yeah, beards. he
1: kind of got like a little 5 o'clock up. going on there, brother. That's more than a 5 o'clock. Yeah. Okay, it's a little more. I That's watch. like a five-day fight. You can't grow anything. Right, right. but you needs to put a man bun to make it more deeper than that, you saying? <laughs> right? Hollow out to Dundee and Benson. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. I mean, you have to have some type of, you know, uh, machismo, some definitely macho staminism coming onto boats of that nature uh, <clears throat> with aggressors who are doing illegal uh, activity. <clears throat> you know, and obviously you guys have that type of bravado where people are like, oh, I don't want to mess with you. You already know how to separate, you know, obviously say the first mate <clears throat> from the captain and the rest of the crew. That just goes to say that you guys are knowledgeable about that skill. So going to the other point, I definitely, you know, would love to, you know, uh, take part of that class because Mm. uh, I'm skittish about individuals who have a concealed carry, you know, uh, license and they do that. I do know some family members that have it and I'm very, uh, I'm very, um, that's what I'm looking for. I'm very. uh, Skeptical? Not skeptical. Actually, the vice versa about these guys because. One of them has, has a military background. The other guy, he's just a plumber, mm-hmm. but he's dope. You know what I'm saying? And he has, <laughs> yeah. and he has his truck stolen a couple of times before, and he actually knows how to use it. And he's actually mm-hmm. uh, well uh, trained just with his mental concept of, you know, hey, I know who to shoot at, I know who not to shoot yep. at. But others, though, you know, yeah. we're in a totally different uh, uh, society that we live in now. Everybody's watching freaking what uh, Walking Dead all day, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and thinking that yeah. zombie apocalypse is coming, and so they just think they just shoot any crackhead that walks up to them, which is fine. But you can't do that, I, you know. Not. How so. do you guys
2: feel about those zombie rounds they sell now? How hilarious zombie is that? It's oh ridiculous! <laughs> ridiculous! I, I think I saw the other day. It was like 12 gauge incendiary rounds, and I was like, "Oh, we do not need to be because like the." Have you they,
0: seen? They have they have a uh, shotgun rounds that have like um, razor blades in them. Oh, like oh, all was was that getting, crazy stuff. Getting.
2: I saw a slug round the other day that was like hollow on the inside, and then basically like a.
0: Was
3: it a chain? Was it the one that had like a like
0: a? Oh, it's a bolo round. Yeah, shoots a yeah. Out of that. Yeah,
3: that's pretty sick. That's pretty.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody that's, that's, needs that. That's Conan Barbarian <laughs> sick right there. I'm Red. just saying, like, all four of us are
2: sitting here, and we're like, ah, oh, that might be cool to shoot a pumpkin with, or somebody <laughs> yeah. that comes in your crib, you're gonna like mess them up with it. But you don't. We don't need like a whole bunch of kids being like, oh man, I'm gonna load up a shotgun with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know,
1: but you with my bola, <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, bola around. Don't really put the bola around. Like every time I hollow kit clips, you know, on the on the hardcore tips as far as you know hip hop is concerned, but. Don't let me load that bola up, man.
2: Like some, some rats, well, the you know. worst would be like an Ebola
1: round. You're you like still walking, but you have Ebola now. You know, it's a problem. Take yeah. that.
2: You're not going to die now, but you're going to bleed out in the <laughs> eyes for two weeks. Right. That's but, a round I don't want to mess with. Just maimed me. you. That's right. <laughs>
1: Make sure that round doesn't happen here in Nebraska, though, because we actually have a cure for that here now, I guess. Do so we? It's not really, yeah, we do. Duh. UMC. I didn't know all that day. we had a cure. I thought Dude, you saw us cats were coming from all across the country to get cured here. Yeah. Down there off of shoot leavenworth is I, where it's at I wonder, get cured from ebola on leavenworth they i wonder the,
2: if they
1: pete's got a level one center though yeah, yeah. The one center. That, that's what
2: wow. i Pete, that? no i wonder if pete's dad did had something to do with that probably
1: you know it was a big deal like a national deal like for that whole month you know everybody from africa was coming here we had all these surgeons that were affected mm-hmm. come here boom they're good you know what i'm saying they're, they're moonwalking right now i don't even know what they're doing <laughs> they're doing something awesome because like they got cured for ebola you know we have cure for these diseases trust and believe no one has the money to get cured for these diseases, though. That's unfortunate. You know, very and unfortunate. I, I think you brought up a great point. Like, that, why is that not available
3: mm-hmm. to people in other countries? But it's like, available. Why? Do you have the money for that, though? Like, well, but why haven't we started helping each other out? We we have this like tribalism aspect where us as Americans, we don't want to help out other countries because well, we're Americans. We I take mean, care we, of ourselves. We do a little,
2: but you also yeah. have to realize like, here, this is what I run into all the time. It's the, our question becomes not, do we help? But because we do. We do an incredible amount of humanitarian stuff. I mean, that's part of your guys' job. But part of it is also, like, where do we help? Because, um, like, I was looking the other day, and one of our biggest struggles in humanitarian aid is just making sure people have water.
0: Mm-hmm. Clean water.
2: Yeah. Um, I saw one cool thing that has been invented is basically like a water wheelbarrow. Have you guys seen that? I have seen that, yeah. That, you know, the, where that way people, instead of carrying... Uh, you know, five gallons a day on top of their head can now carry 60 gallons by rolling it, yep. and it's made apparently life just incredible in these areas, um, you know, where water is scarce. And then I also found interesting that they have created a now a pump that goes in the top of that thing that. Last something like six months and filters out ninety nine percent of pathogens.
1: Really? Wow!
2: Well, yeah, that's very cool. I want to say Bill Gates had something to do with that. Probably filter. did. Probably, 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 did probably did.
1: Probably did. Bill Gates all day.
2: I mean, that's uh, you know, people here loved. I wonder what you know. One thing, what does Warren Buffett do humanitarian-wise? Because I'm sure he gives he gives away like half his money, I think. That's
0: you know, what... someone told me that he would be the richest man on the planet, but he's given away so much of his wealth to humanitarian mm-hmm. causes that he's just...
1: I think, I think, just speaking on that notation, and it's not to be funny or anything of that nature, but, I mean, he would be the prince of his generation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because Prince, you know, through his contributions, he has given away a lot as well. Uh, you don't see him, but you know him. you know he's his passing has really affected us a lot mm-hmm. more so than Bowie did rest in peace, Bowie, no not throwing shade to him, but I think uh Bill, or excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, I think Buffett's on the same lines with that. It's like you don't put it out there like, hey, I gave to this person, I gave to that person. Mm-hmm. hey, show me love because I did this. It's not about that. We're finding out all the things that Prince has, has done after he's passed away. That's what a legacy is. Yeah. It's not about you doing when you're living. It's what you, it's what comes out when you have passed away and what you've left for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, his religion being a Jehovah did not allow him to speak about all the charitable things that he has
2: done. You know what the Bible says about that? Talk about it. <laughs> Talk about so, it. preach, preach, so, preach. This is preach. kind of funny, but in the Bible. Southern Baptist, what's going on? <laughs> hardcore methods. Mary, Mary Catherine's Methodist family. Okay. Mary Catherine's family is Baptist. Oh, she her. Yeah, there was there was like a Shemnaniah. There was a there was like a, a little uh, you know family feud. Not really. Really? Like I, you I, gonna marry him? <laughs> no <nah>, um, <laughs> That's how it went. We, no, we might, we'll have to get into that in a later podcast. That's a, that's a good. That's some good. Episode content. thirteen. Good mm-hmm. stuff. All right, coming soon. But yeah, the Bible says. Uh, those that receive, like, for good deeds, those that receive their rewards on earth won't receive them in heaven, and those that don't will, basically. I want to say that's in the Beatitudes. I could be wrong, though. Little, little, little biblical yeah. knowledge. I like to throw Very it out deep. there. Hey, I like that. Oh, I'm a well-versed man in many, <laughs> in many, many areas. So getting back to you guys, um, I w- I just want to say what has kind of been, because there's a lot of stuff, you know, post-deployment that people say, how uh, you know obviously you guys saw some action how do you deal with the things that you saw over there and how they affect you day to day
1: and was and was there some type of prayer involved in that since we we're just talking about the biblical sense you know let's talk about that as well you know I mean take Pate's question and branch off of that please as far as just like dude did you pray before you jumped out of that plane Did you pray before you jumped in that water you know or did you met your adversary what went through your mind at that time frame <clears throat> wow, you got to do this after so many beers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, we I we see get, what you guys You see how we get that? Uh, that's pretty awesome. We
3: look you up. Alright. Okay, well let's let's touch on the prayer aspect of it. Uh, I was raised Roman Catholic, I guess you could say. Okay. Mostly by my grandmother. And that's the only way I kind of, you know, found God per se, however you want to. But my family, like my parents were all about, do whatever you want with religion. Believe in what you want, you know, kind of let me find my own path. And I, you know, I, I am Catholic. But when it came to like being over there, um, I guess you do say a prayer um, but I think that a lot of people would be surprised what I, I believe that a lot of soldiers pray for over there, and it's not for their own safety, it's for like their brothers and the people that are around them that they, they 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 pray that they won't make a mistake so that way none of their family, which is their brothers, gets hurt or killed. I, I would say that's probably the only time I really prayed was like hey. Don't make don't like don't let me mess up.
0: I know like when Tim's platoon we were in different platoons with the same company, so we were deployed at the same time. If Tim's going out on a patrol with his platoon, I know I'm back thinking about them the whole time. You don't really worry about yourself. You almost come to like arguments with some of your, the guys in your team because being point man in Afghanistan it's rough because there's IEDs out there. Right. So, you know, you can step on IED, lose your leg, stuff like that. And uh, we used to have arguments about who wants to be the first man because I would rather step on something than let Tim step on something and see him go, you know. So it's a lot of it's just you worried about your friends and your buddies and your brothers more than you are yourself at almost every point when you're over there. And but you also have them worrying about you the whole time. So everybody covers each other like that and that's how everybody just protects each other and it keeps rolling like that, so. Yeah, yeah. you don't.
3: it's almost like you you join the social contract where you love someone else more than you love yourself. That's that's how I would like compare Mm -hmm. it to. Um, And then after everything's all said and done, you come home and it's like one week, you're walking, getting shot at, watching dudes step on bombs, watching kids step on bombs. Seen a bunch of terrible stuff, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're back stateside, you're in North Carolina. There's your mom, You know your girlfriend at the time, your, your whole family, all this stuff. And it's like, they look at you differently. Like, as much as they try not to, you know, I can't imagine being in their, in their shoes, you know, seeing their, their son and their grandson come home. But for us, it was really tough because the only thing that we knew in the past seven months was each other. Mm-hmm. So you, you saw that a lot was a lot of guys like
0: gravitate towards each other yeah
3: yeah you know you had guys who had who had families like wives and children and they'd go home but at the same time to be like calling calling their team leader or calling their their buddies like the next morning hey everything good you know is everything okay and i think that's a big deal with the whole quote unquote like ptsd stuff is like
1: people are offended I, i don't i don't mean offended but Wives and family members get kind of hurt. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, talk talk a little bit more about that PTSD. Um, you know, and describe what that is, kind of define that, and 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 have you guys gone through it as well? You know, coming back from this is the, a good story?
2: topic because we've gotten into this before. this okay. is really good. Actually, awesome. there, well, hey, there's, definitely um, um, there's definitely different levels of it.
3: Post-traumatic stress disorder.
0: Post-traumatic stress disorder. There's definitely different levels of it. I think the guys who struggle with it a lot more um, are guys that don't have a good support system set up. You know, I live with Tim, so if I ever have troubles, you know, he's right there across the hall from me. Uh, We know a lot of guys who live in different parts of the country, but they all are very close with each other. They have some kind of support system set up.
3: And then you got guys that, you know, you you have your 22 veterans commit suicide a day type thing, right, how do you get that statistic, the staggering statistic that can't be ignored, and I, I, I think, it's like Mark said, you have guys that are living on their own, and they just went from their family for four, eight, 16 years to being alone, their blood family, which you know, you love them, but it's it's a different bond. You don't have that kind of bond that you have with someone you fought with. I mean,
2: they don't understand the tribulation you went through and your needs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean, I, yeah. this is like completely, completely not even close, but um, you know, I like to. Think about it like Mary Catherine and I live in very different worlds where she lives in very much corporate America and like a nine to five. And then I live in the world of entrepreneurism, which is like God, infinite, infinity, like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I might get to play video games for like four hours and sometimes I might never like sleep for a day and a half because I've got, you know, clients on clients. I'm trying to get some content out, etc. Um, and you know, what I need and what she needs are completely different. But, um, you know, it's like, you know, I have people like Elliot who I can be like, Hey, this is going on. Um, you know, and he understands, but mm-hmm. I could definitely see like you multiply that stress by, um, the fact of you losing a life not just you know of a financial or I'm working real hard but oh I've put myself through harder stress than I've ever put myself through through you know being basically tortured in a pool mm-hmm. by these people to keep my job and then um, you go out and you're basically living every day to keep the people around you alive then all of a sudden it's like oh I'm shot back into real life mm-hmm. with Shopping people yeah, where where your biggest decision is? All right, do I get the regular ribeye or the reserve ribeye? It's like a ninety cent difference per pound. What's you know? And of course, you get the reserve. Yeah, right. Yeah. What are you talking about, man? Yolo, man. <laughs> no.
0: it, it, a lot of it comes down to just you know you're like you were saying you know you guys share that same aspect of life. You understand each other, where we all understand each other. So it's. And it's a bond that's just different from anything that anybody can ever understand. You know, when you've shared foxholes with people, you know, it's, it, um, they really become your family, your blood family, like closer than anything you can understand when you come back. And then all of a sudden you have this separation and then all of a sudden you're not around those people anymore and you can't get in contact with them, or maybe you've lost them when you were overseas. And now you're just by yourself and, uh, you have I think that's where a lot of this on um, PTSD and stuff comes from when people don't have someone that they can come they can talk to and they can relate to so uh,
3: yeah you know you guys are asking like what the symptoms like if you'd ever you know had PTSD and I think a lot of people confuse PTSD for um, a state of like the awareness. actual disease and then you have a state of heightened awareness mm-hmm. which is what any soldier or marine or you know sailor has coming back like male mm-hmm. or female you're in a state of heightened awareness because you have to be because for the past seven months you've had to do that in order to stay alive. So it's hard to turn that off. But people view that as PTSD, where it's just our minds are just moving quicker. We're constantly looking around. We're not staring at our phone. You know, we're assessing our environment. That's not bad. Uh, yeah, we jump when things go boom because the things that went boom used to try to kill us.
0: So <laughs> it's also hard to turn that on too. When you when we first got to Afghanistan. I remember the first time that I got mortared, so they shot mortars at us, and they make certain noises and stuff. And you're kind of listening to it, and you're like, what the fuck is that noise? And then all of a sudden, one of my gunnery sergeants, who's been in mortared before, and he recognizes the noise, tackles me to the ground, and we roll under a truck. You know, bombs go off around us and everything like that. And you could bet that that noise was imprinted into my brain from then on. So, you know, you hear these noises from now and you hear cracks and gunshots and all this stuff. It starts getting embedded into your brain that that's danger. You need to get away from that. You need to get down. So, uh, I remember when we first got back, it was the 4th of July, wasn't
1: it? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Want oh, hey. I'm, like, like I'm going to tell you guys. this right now. If you... <laughs>
2: I'm gonna Every take day. you to their Fourth of July party. You don't even understand. Like it's quiet. Nobody has nothing. Like oh airs. no no, the it, is their, <laughs> it is Nobody celebrates Fourth of July like a bunch of Marines. Oh, okay. put okay. us on the this. Like it is this. a, a four-day throwdown. Thursday no. to Sunday. Do you want to
3: go? You want to go ahead and like give us the whole itinerary for this year? No. Come <laughs> on. No. Come on. No. Uh, you
2: got. All it. All I'm saying is, uh, ice chests are for the week. You.
1: Dr- Kitty pools, or what are you talking about? No, no, no. Kitty pool, do-
2: Kitty pool doesn't keep it insulated. Uh, no, no, you, you got to drain a jacuzzi, two hundred pounds of ice, yeah. and I don't know thousand
0: dollars worth of alcohol. Wow, and that made it to two days, three yeah. days.
2: I think. Also, I will say a shout out to High V for <laughs> <laughs> shout out to High V for I was in charge of ice last year and they I, they're like how much do you need and I was like a forerunner full, full and they literally loaded up a forerunner and it was cheaper to buy from hide V than it was from a distributor. Wow!
1: Nice. Shout out to High V. Hopefully, you become a sponsor of us, a uh, black guy and a white guy in the <laughs> studio.
2: They Which also is- at that time had something called Incinerator. Do you remember oh, this? Oh, it's terrible. Um, it burns your skin, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and so um, we won't say how why there was alcohol on people's skin and Awkward. Won't, won't go into won't go into that entire you don't, thing. You want to tell us? I don't. I don't know. Maybe if somebody's mom did do a body shot. Somebody's mom, like people were taking body shots. I don't. I don't remember that portion. Um, I don't know. But yeah, uh, incinerator burns your skin. So, <laughs> okay. but it's four dollars a bottle. Boom. Or, $4 a bottle.
1: $4 a bottle to bring your skin. Nothing better than that. Well, my question is, was it, that. what
2: does it do to your insides?
1: Ooh. Ugh, man,
2: I couldn't even imagine.
1: Oh Turned to Beetlejuice. But yeah, <laughs> nobody
2: celebrates Fourth of July like like these guys. Two-story beer funnel.
1: Two-story
3: beer funnel, slip and my, flip.
2: That was my engineering, I am saying. flip.
3: That was you. Yeah. You, you know what? I, I was actually... I was thinking you were going to let us down on that. The, you two, did not disappoint. The two story, two
2: story beer funnel? When... When I I said to myself, I was like, you know what? It's a bunch of Marines. I was like, I have to bring value to this get together. (laughs) What is something that they've never experienced? And I was going to do like some sort of, you know, octagon of taps that came down from the second story. But I said to myself, I said, no, this is a team deal. We need, we need, we we just need, you know, two coming out and it needs to hold. You know, I don't know, what was it about three beers you mm. could get in there? Yeah, from what I can remember.
0: Well, it depends on who was on the top deck, because it could be three beers and four shots of vodka and some whiskey and whoever wants to pour stuff into yeah, the it's funnel. Yeah, so. it's basically
2: like a death mixture. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was appreciated by those who uh, served our country. I will say that.
1: Most definitely, man. That's, it, that's one of the best Merga. points
0: of the year for us, is because we have such an extensive group of friends that lives all over the country now <clears throat> and uh, fourth of july has become our kind of get together every year for the past what four or five years we've done this i broke my favorite bathing yeah. suit
3: Broken, was, was it a speedo?
1: A baby no. no, 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 <laughs> it was. Does Elliot know about the speedo? I do I don't not don't have a speedo. We do I, think flag do. Speedos. I think you do. I think I just he said that. I think you do have a speedo. I do not. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll I would, if I did I, would, I did, I would claim it. You probably yeah. don't know about I, it because you were too lit. <laughs> That's fine, though. I like what you just said. American flag speedos, yeah, every yeah. There. yeah,
0: yeah. For the past five years, we've had. All of our friends from our company that were in Afghanistan together and in our... Literally, uh, people come from like all over the country yeah. to this. You know, come from East Coast, West Coast, all over the place. And uh, we all meet up here, which is nice because, you know, guys who you haven't seen all year, you get to have a five-day bender with
2: and not remember much of it, so... Nice! <laughs> Sounds like a party. It is. You don't even understand. It is like the most party that I've ever... Elliot's coming out this
3: year.
1: I oh.
2: think I am. What day is it? It's for, for Thursday through Sunday. Thursday. So, right.
1: well, so, this uh, year it's on a Monday. It's on a Monday? Okay. Oh, well, my God. So, it's, it's Thursday and
2: I, to Monday? So and I you, might be able to woo. make it. I don't
1: have a gig on that day. Duly you know I do have Ripstock on July 2nd. Plug for myself. Uh, <laughs> it will be going on July 2nd. We'll we'll be be, but so nonetheless, third, you, we, but you guys will be at Ripstock We'll, we'll be at Ripstock. we will be at sure. Ripstock Please do, man. It'll be great we drinks. It'll be whole, drinks there. we can take the
2: whole crew to I think it's going to have to
1: happen. We're going to have to have to have live yeah. so bands, fireworks, drinks, ribs. We'll have to get a mini bus. It'll it be a lot
0: of fun. Get a party bus out there. Yeah.
2: I don't know if Ribstock is ready for this. I group. think they will. Ollie be. the
1: trolley. Ollie the trolley? We'll make it happen. How many years have you done Ribstock? <laughs> this is my first year doing Ribstock. It's been going on for four years, but it's going to be the best year ever because I'm hosting it this year. <laughs> so for sure, Ribstock's going to be banging. You know, I mean, uh, we have, uh, what, three to four live bands going to be doing covers. And then we also, actually, I mean, these ribs, oh, I can't even talk about it. I mean, literally, these are competition <laughs> ribs. We have uh, rib, um, I don't even know what to call it, but we have a... Uh, brisket, brisket just on deck. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be crazy. And it's all for a good cause. I'll talk about that later in a different podcast about what rib stock really entails. Uh, but it's uh, for Project Hope. <laughs> oh, I'll figure that out, but uh, for sure, man, it's for a good cause. But I'll talk about that later. But it's great ribs, great family event, and great event for everybody because it's gonna be alcohol here nice. this year, my year. Mm. Awesome and fireworks too. So, so
2: what's hilarious is I think the second weekend Mary Catherine and I moved here, um, somewhere maybe third. Was rib stock, and that was our first Omaha thing we ever did. Really, besides like move in. Did it take you back down? Down south. Take you back down south. took him back down. you got I'll, pretty mail,
1: I like them ribs. I'll
2: say this, man. People, people up here do barbecue a little bit different, but uh, I can, I can appreciate it. You know, people throw in beef a little bit more up there. They here. do. I mean, but you
1: got to understand, the rib stock here kind of conjures from, you know, the Midwest-style ribs, and we're looking at KC, Missouri-style, you know, mm-hmm. uh, versus how you do it down south. So it's a different type of combination. Now, the cats that are going to be there, a lot of the distributors or the vendors are going to be represented in other places as well, but that's just how There was a North Carolina. On the uh, books? From North, the, the, North Carolina. The year, Carolina. The year that
2: I was there, there was a North Carolina, Carolina. and they knew what was up. Oh yeah. wow! They make some good stuff. Yeah, no joke. Um, I really appreciate Carolina barbecue. Like, mm. ri- ooh. Well,
0: okay, For,
3: explain to me because, like, being from the Midwest, I know like good steaks, right? right? Explain to me the differences in barbecues.
1: When I when I taste it, it tastes the same. It's about the sauce. It's about how they actually actually. Go ahead though. You go ahead, I would
2: say about. sauce, cooking, cooking times, and yeah. cuts. Cuts. Yeah. So talking. different people clean their ribs differently. I prefer like. I'm going to get some flat <laughs> um, I do not prefer baby backs. Okay. I prefer like a pork spare rib and I prefer it to be slow smoked, but not to the point to where the entire rib like just easily falls off the bone. Like you, it should still have texture to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Does that make sense? Yes. Like it shouldn't be like soupy or okay. completely gelatinous. It should still have texture. What I like about Texas pork, and Texas is mostly known for beef, barbecue, but they really keep the texture. Uh, Kansas City, you know, you still have that texture. Kansas City... Get more a
1: sta- sauce place for Kent. for Yeah, I Kansas but more also the, Kansas the City has
2: its own type of spare rib in the way it's clean versus like a southern spare rib. And I don't prefer the Kansas City spare rib more to like a southern clean spare rib, which, I mean depending on who cleans a southern-style spare rib or, you know, you know, how it's done, whether they cut off the top and et cetera. But, yeah, I mean, that's really the difference. Some Carolina also does a mustard base. <clears throat> into some more fun topics other than post-traumatic stress disorder. It's like, <laughs> hey, Tim and Mark, why don't you come up here in this podcast? <laughs> it's going to be yeah. fun. You're to get, get you drunk and talk about, about stuff. talk about, like, depressing things. Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. Tell us what it was like when you saw somebody's leg. No. Um, so uh, I had some questions from some other people that, that kind of they submitted to you. But they wanted to know, like, being veterans and coming back, how easy is it to get girls? Now,
1: and let me put a period on this real quick. When you think about betters, we're, we're, we're not talking about old fogies, you know what I'm saying? We're talking about some very young men. Uh, you guys just stay at your age earlier. You're 26, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Awesome. And you are how old? 26. 26. Oh, so we got some very young men in here. When we when we say veterans, so don't think they're like some old fogies with some canes and you know have shrapnel in their ass. They don't. You know they're very. You don't
2: know what is in there. I don't. Know, I don't want to know what's
1: in their ass. <laughs> really, dude. Come on. Let's keep it real. I'm just keeping it real. But they're very young, very uh, attractive men. No homo. And uh, definitely, let's talk about that. Veterans. Go ahead.
2: So you know how how easy is it? Because they you know I, I had a couple people that were like, man, I bet women throw themselves at veterans.
3: <laughs> well, okay. Uh, my girlfriend's not listening to this shit. Oh, yeah. I don't she know. She might be. She might might be okay, then, I then mean, it's, it's not easy Everybody's at all. had a, everybody's <laughs> had a past. Is it right? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, when we got back, I mean, we were the type of guys that, that didn't like throw it out there. You know, we're at the bar. We're not gonna be like, oh yeah, hey guess what? I'm a Marine, yeah. a Recom Marine, and uh, just got back from Afghanistan. Like those guys in our minds are douchey, right? right. Like, the, you know, we try to be the humble to
0: ourselves as much from those kind of people as possible.
3: Be a humble professional. But yeah, I mean. The majority of the time we were hanging out with all of our boys, you know, you got five Marines. Generally, they're in good physical shape. You know, they're a little aggressive, Right. a little (laughs) little testosterone going, but for some girls, that that worked for them. That's what they like. So So you're not
1: going to the bar doing the Nicolas Cage con air thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, okay, cool. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, maybe the Top Gun, you never close your eyes. That's badass, though.
0: Top
1: Gun. Yeah, Top Gun. If you want
0: to talk about panty droppers, though, the uniform.
1: Oh, all day, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, I wish
1: I could be down with you guys, because, I mean, that really gets you, like, piles on piles. You can be selective. (laughs) You can be choosy. You know what I'm saying? Well, who you want to be with at night, you You, know what I'm saying? You. No, not you. Not you. Not you. You. Maybe you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I don't like you, but your mother—I see her mother <laughs> you. you. Come here, her cougar. Ma'am, ma'am, you have a four hundred one k. You do. Mm. You, you ambassador. Mm. You have Berkshire sock? Yes. Come with me, please. Is it Berkshire A or B? Ah, oh, B. No Ooh. shit. can up with you, girl. I'm sorry. Thought you were for a second. Oh well. <laughs> uh,
2: no. So, um, so I've and another kind of like piggybacking on that, um, I will say there's like not many people I judge really harshly, but the people. Who never served that, um, ha- do like the whole fake. Have you seen that? Like the fake oh, Marines. You're talking Valor. about
0: Stolen Valor, right? Yeah. Oh, snap. That not, drives. It's a federal offense. That, that, it is. I yeah. love that movie, though. That like. drives me yeah. <laughs> up the
2: wall. Like, I don't get. I was particularly. My favorite, I guess, like Stolen Valor thing was like a guy and he was wearing like. Um, he was dressed as an army vet, but he had different type of pins mm-hmm. on, and then he also had like really long hair with a ponytail.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you've seen it all, and it's it's unfortunate, really, because you know there was men, and, there's been men and women who have put out all these sacrifices to earn those medals, and then you have some scumbag from the from the street use it to you know get these benefits. Oh, I'll get fifteen percent off this. Oh, I have girls you know hanging all over them. It's it's unfortunate, and it. <laughs> it pisses me off. You're talking
0: about people who have died, yeah. for that uniform and for that honor to, you know, serve for their country and everything like that. And people steal it to get laid, that's, and it's uh, or pathetic. get like 15 percent off a sandwich. Right? Yeah, or into so, the, the movies on discount. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, stuff like that. It's, it's very infuriating when uh, God, you I'm, hear stories but, yeah. about that.
2: It drives me so, up the wall. Um, so, what do? You, uh, what has been the best discount or like hookup you've ever gotten? Has anybody ever been like, oh, veterans? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I can't <laughs> need that. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Shit, I don't know. Uh,
3: like discount wise, um, A GI Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> can, yeah, I mean, we yeah. go to we
0: go to school for free, and we get paid to go to school, which is something that we get from the GI Bill. You know, you serve your country, and they uh, they help you out back they uh they give you free schooling which is amazing you know me and tim go to UNO, um go to school full time and they pay us to do it and that's uh that's something that we don't take lightly by any means you know something that you yeah, know it's amazing for us so
3: it goes back to like what I was saying i didn't know what i wanted to do when i was 18 19 years old right? right i'm 26 now i can i can go to college and i can look at it as a job you know how, how mm-hmm. some of you guys approached jobs when you were 18 19 you yeah. guys had the maturity for it then that time I didn't. Now I can go into school and be like, "All right, this is my job. I need to do this to excel, and I have yeah. to do that."
0: I was at eighteen or nineteen at UNO or at where'd you go? Alabama. I mean, I think now if I went to college when I was 18 19 years old, I would have done terrible. Now I'm in college, and I you would you know, have four kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I'd, have been, four I'd probably kids. be dead in a <laughs> <laughs> <right> now. <laughs> Um, you know, and I take it much more seriously because of the fact that I understand how big of a deal it is to, you know, have a college degree and do that kind of thing. I bet
2: the UNO shorties are all about you guys. Like trying to get you for some study groups. Well, me,
3: I look like I'm 18, as you guys know. Yeah, yeah, so you they you look pretty young. Most man. people are afraid of me. Mark. <laughs> most people don't sleep. talk to me. You're all tatted me. up. You got sleeves. <laughs> you know
1: what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> he's <the> exhale's angel. <laughs> 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 I look like I'm 30. I know <laughs> you want to talk to me. All
2: yeah, right. Like, uh, at least you're not 31 and out of speaking engagement. Did I talk about this last week? Talk about it now. I don't think you did. Out of speaking engagement. And so with my job, a lot of times. When I speak, it is instructing individuals how they should handle particular situations in their job and what they should pay attention to. And this one guy I was like, "Man, you did really good, but it's hard for me to, you know, pay attention to a guy that's like, what are, Can you can you get into a, into a bar yet?'" And I'm like, "Man," he's like, "I thought you were 19 for sure." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm 31, but Man. whatever. Yeah, I get that. I get that all the time." I've the only time I've ever not been carted for anything was on my 21st birthday. And I get carted all the time. Still, Elliot, how old are you? Thirty-six. Man. Shit. Thirty-six.
1: I'm thirty-six years old. Uh, yeah, this is my workout day. So I'm like, uh. But no, yeah, I'm 36 years old, man. I lived a long life here on this planet, and I definitely hope to live a lot more. And um, I Good think for it's, 36 years <laughs> old, <over laughs> I appreciate I can say a little that. Native American in me. My family has that break where it's, you know, we were, uh, you know, Native American in uh, the sense of African slaves, man. So definitely mm. got that idea in my life, yeah, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. for sure, it's just about keeping a, a positive outlook and not not being negative all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, you guys look young. You guys been through a lot yeah. at an early age, you know and uh regardless of you know how you feel you personify yourself you're physically fit and you're mentally strong you know and can you say that about everybody else yeah that went through the same thing you guys guys have gone through
0: i think my mom when we got back from afghanistan she looked at me and she's like you look like you aged about 10 years wow like and i was i think i was 21 when i got back and uh it's just a maturity thing because right. you hold yourself differently I remember when we first got to um, recon battalion in North Carolina and one of my gunnies sat us down and he just goes, all right, you're all about 18, 19 years old. I need you to take your maturity level to up to someone who's about 30 years old and you just need to be there. And, you know, you can look like you're 19 years old, but you hold yourself like you're 25, 26 years old and you have all this wisdom and everything like that. You know, people can misconstrue your age and stuff like that. And that's, I think that's where the age kind of thing comes in and everything like that so
1: right i mean but you guys have a great poise you guys Mm -hmm. have a great articulation about as far as the things you guys have been through in life uh and i I definitely you know salute you guys with that you know because you guys come very far doesn't matter what that age is age is nothing nothing but a number you know (laughs) literally it's It's a mindset it's a mindset it really is you know well thanks Uh, for that and and it, and you guys uh, hold it well within yourself, you know that maturity level. I yeah. mean, and but yeah, you still have that youthfulness about you. So I really appreciate you guys for joining us today uh, on the podcast. So
2: for sure, yeah, we really appreciate everybody from uh, for coming in, checking out Mark and Tim, and having them share with us a little bit of their story. Um, Again, if you would like to be trained by them whether it right. is in concealed carry or you say to yourself, man, like I really would like to know how to handle a situation in my office building, in my corporate office, in my home if I had a active shooter. I mean, these are the guys you want to be trained by. You know, why you know, what do you say 80 bucks for a class? I mean, how much is you and your family's life worth? <laughs> <laughs> priceless. Hey, priceless. We're talking about the same amount if I go You know, take the wife to the bar for a night or go to the movies or something like that. You can be trained to basically survive or not survive in a situation we all hope never happens, but you know, why not? learn from two incredible individuals that you know have gone out served our country and saved baby rhinoceroses without guns
1: I'm saying I second that emotion about the baby rhinoceros all day you know what I'm saying and they had camera guy with him the mace I'm just he had saying. a taser yeah, t- t- taser taser that's right mace taser when you
2: gave the camera guy some mace I know he's gonna mace the wrong person exactly. right right like right. Tim's gonna next day going be like oh I can't see I can't see I thought you were I thought you were on the
1: Vietnamese guys your oh, eyes were closed oh I thought God. that was like no that wasn't me I was blinking What the hell? But if you have any questions,
2: please, please, please get on our Facebook page. A black guy and a white guy went into the studio. Yes, sir. Look up Elliot Harris on Facebook. Elliot W. Harris. Elliot W. Harris. That's my government name. Look up myself, Pate Smith. Ask us questions if you have anything. Uh, feel free to email us at paid at Yes, sir. Elliot, what's your? How, how can they get in touch with just you? Just in touch with
1: me through him because I'm not giving out my email address like he just did. So, yeah, just go through that right now. We're working on that whole deal. Um, again, I'm trying to get accustomed to giving out all my information and um, very social media. Uh, what, what's it? What's it not called? Savvy. Uh, not savvy. not savvy. You heard I was thirty-six years old, so I'm. Mean, yeah, I'm savvy, but I'm not savvy enough to give out that part. It's coming next podcast. Though. I'm gonna have everything built up on that. I'm gonna have the web page built up as well. Beast Life knowledge for sure. Big shout out to Make Believe. Always, you know, recording. That's uh, why we're here today. Always, you know, Make, make Believe Records, uh, recording, uh, Make Believe Studios, and uh, Make Believe New Media. We're a conglomerate, blowing up in 2016, so we're doing big things.
2: Got new albums dropping.
1: New albums dropping, <laughs> La Maga. Definitely look out for that. We're going to be playing some of that stuff uh, during our podcast as well. Uh, along I will with. say
2: that La Maga album I was at when it dropped. The
1: listening party, yes. listening yes. party. Doing some tours here uh, coming up in the Southwest and Midwest, or excuse me, Southwest and West Coast region uh, very soon. So look out for those dates uh, popping up on uh, social media as well as the actual album release being digital as well on uh, iTunes and Spotify, et cetera. We also have the album that's going to be notated. The actual LP, if you old, excuse me, if you young folks don't know about that, actual physical copy, LP <laughs> record, is going to be uh, out there available on our website for uh, rec- uh, make-believe, excuse me, make-believe recordings. There we go. Uh, I'll have more information about that uh, in our next podcast.
2: Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you so much. Check us out. Black guy and white guy went to the studio. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Mark. Thank you to Tim. And we're out. Hear from us next week.
0: This has been the podcast of Omaha, Nebraska. Featuring Elliot W. Harris and Pete Smith. This is it. You've been listening to a black guy and a white guy walked into the studio.
1: Transmission
0: terminated. Join us next time.